Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hello, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, so learn something, right, that can help you on your journey and make life better for you. Uh, my guest today, I, I think she's the most accomplished human, not only woman, but human, I have ever had the privilege to interview. Michelle Ashby, you know, she has a business, but outside of her business of ACE training and board leadership and consulting, she has brought together global industries. She is an athlete. She has traveled the world. She has helped thousands. Michelle, welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Hi, Betsy. Thanks for having me today. It's really fun to be with you. Well, I first met Michelle because we were both in the top women of Colorado class and it was powerful women. And I was very uncomfortable with that. I changed it in my video to power filled women. And I almost feel like you might agree with me that uh, it seems to me like your business is helping women find their power and take it to the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I like to dig in and find you know, the gems. I think you mentioned that I've been in the mining industry for over three decades. And uh, so I have that analogy of let's go find those resources and dig them up and pull them out and then we shine them up and, you know, let them glitter, get those diamonds out. Well, uh, so I met Michelle, we were temporarily in a small group together, which disbanded, which is unfortunate because I really wanted to get to know her more. But tell us a little bit about your path and be sure you talk about wearing your investment in gold. <laughs> not only having your investment in gold, because that's the one thing you talked about in our small, small group that you were involved with, you know, that business of um, having yeah. actually gold jewelry. And I still wanted to get back to you on that because, you know, anything involved with jewelry, I'm always in. So uh, go back. Were you that kid? Like, what was your path? Were you the entrepreneurial kid or what got you to where you are today? Okay, so I'm going to answer the question about jewelry so I don't forget it. So I'm on the board of a company called Monet, M-E-N-E, which is an ancient word for money. And we sell online 24 karat gold jewelry. It's pure gold and pure platinum. And you can buy the jewelry. It's an investment. Let's say you buy a necklace that's and gold prices are at $1,500 an ounce when you buy it. And then it goes up to $1,800 an ounce and you want to sell it. You can sell it back to the company and you get part of that profit between the 1500 and the 1800 per ounce. So this truly is investment jewelry and the designs are phenomenal, phenomenal. Okay. Well, you yeah. and I have to have an offline conversation about that okay. because okay. that sounds like a new stick for me. Honey, honey, it is an investment. I promise. That's right. Um, okay. So go back. So, so you have yeah. achieved okay. so much in your so, life. So little Michelle. Yeah. Mini me. Um, yeah, so I think I came out of the womb this way. My dad, um, I feel like my dad always said to me, you can do whatever you want to. I'm the oldest of three. And um, when I brought that up to him in my adult life, he said, that's not what I said to you. I said, you're going to go do whatever the hell you want to anyway. So go ahead, you know, and my brain, re, you know, recalibrated it in a different way. But my first entrepreneurial thing that I can remember is, um, this is going to sound kind of bad, but we had a neighbor kid who was had muscular dystrophy 
And back then, muscular dystrophy was a big deal, and Jerry Lewis used to do this big marathon on TV for you know the whole Labor Day weekend and raise money and awareness. And this kid's family did a carnival in their backyard to raise money one summer. And I went and I was like, huh, what a great idea. But I don't have muscular dystrophy. I wonder if my friends would come and pay me. So I created my own carnival and it was like a dime a ticket. And I convinced my best friend to help me. And we sold tickets and then we set up this whole thing in our backyard and, you know, had these different stations they could go to and spend their ticket. And then they, you know, play the game or whatever. And we walked away with, you know, what, $3 in our pocket or something. But that probably was what I think of as like one of my first entrepreneurial. Uh, right. Things. The start of something big, right? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. But we did it over kid. and over. And, oh, you know, see? Yeah. I saved the box. Like I marked it carnival. We saved all the stuff. And we brought it out like two or three times a summer. I love that. I was making a macrame. So you're you're in my age. We're the same macrame bead bracelets in fourth grade, and we made forty dollars profit over an entire school oh. year. My best friend Mary and I. Of course, I don't think we took out cost of goods. So the tr- truth was probably we broke even. But um, I still remember the success of those sales. You know, your ten cent tickets, baby. Yeah, they're moving. They're moving. Yeah. So entrepreneurial yeah. seed, and then what what did you do for education? Um, you know, so my parents never gave us anything. They said, if you want to do that, you have to go or make some money. And I wanted to go to a private girls school. So I went to a private girls school that had tuition. And that meant that after eighth grade, when I finished, I had to get a job to pay for half the tuition because my parents said, I'll pay half. And I also applied for a scholarship. So I cleaned chalkboards every day after school to earn that part of it. And then I worked in a greenhouse um, for 50 cents an hour through the summers and every break we had. And that paid, helped me pay for my uniform and my schooling. And um, it was the best thing I ever did because all girls high school. And I came out of that, I have to tell you why I think that this gender specific training is so, so important. is because I learned during that time that when I came out of that and went, went into the career world later in my life, what I approached it as is I'm approaching this as I'm competing with other people by my experience and my intellect. I never thought of it as gender. And everybody was yeah, 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 yeah around me. But I was focused on the real deal. Like, how do I work hard and get where I want to go? And I think by shutting out all that other stuff, it helped me to actually excel quite a bit. And I got a lot of recognition because the guys around me, saw in me what I didn't see from very early. So I ended up with a lot of male mentors who really helped me along the way and included me, by the way. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it's funny, like, I always think, yes, and like, you know, can't we all come together and see the good in all, right? And so um, I must say that I learned from a lot of great men that happened to be parts of groups I worked for that were on boards or things with me when I was in my younger life of board service. However, um, I never had anybody who gave me anything. You know, I always earned it and worked for it. Like, so I could collaborate, but I always showed up with my own um, work ethic. You know, it sounds very similar to your idea. Um, It was never like, well, I'm going to sit back because I was like, I'm in, I'm all in. I don't care really who you are. If your heart is in, we're all in this together. So you kind of learn from that along the way. So then you came out of your schooling and then what got you to Colorado and 
oh, all your mining industry and family. Yeah. How did you get out here? I I was born here. Oh, okay. Yeah, same same native hospital. Mom and dad. There yeah. you go. I'm a native of Denver, and uh, yeah, so I'm a hick chick from Colorado. That's what I call myself. Um, and I think that's an advantage too to be kind of under the radar. You can really accomplish a lot when you're not having that expectation of being like a New York stock broker and all that kind of stuff. I'd rather be a big fish in a little pond than a little fish in a big pond. Right. And that's a philosophy I've always had. Warren Buffett's the same. He's from Omaha. He doesn't live in New York City. He lives in Omaha, Nebraska. And, you know, we can make uh, really good decisions from a distance when we have that, you know, arm's length sometimes. So um, anyway, what was the question again? Give well, back to, so so then what got you into like the mining industry oh, and putting together, you know, like the collaboration of the mining industry and, you know, yeah. kind of like not just working a job. So what was the difference in just seeing an opportunity from a, a position of maybe getting into a profession and then becoming into global leadership? Okay, got it. So interestingly, I left this phenomenal private girls school where everybody went to some named college. I got married and had kids and didn't go to college. And I had a, a bad first marriage. I got two great kids out of it. But yeah, I it call was, it my practice marriage. We have that in common. So we'll just call that the practice marriage. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it, it was really bad. But I, here's what I wanted to share with people, because if you are sitting there and saying, well, you know, how do I get there? And what, what am I going to do? I had, I did have an amazing mentor at the time, a friend of the family that I talked to on the phone. And he was like, Michelle, you can do this. You can do this. But I needed to find a career that didn't require a degree. Nice. So he yeah. helped me go through the checklist. And I had two babies and my marriage was failing. I knew I was going to probably end up on my own, divorced as a single mom. And I was looking for a job that would end, you know, like not eight to five even if I could end earlier. Well, you, to be a stockbroker, you don't have to have a degree. And the market hours were 7.30 to 2.30 Denver time. So that made it so that I could go to work early, take my kids to daycare. And in theory, I could be home, you know, before five o'clock. Um, so it was the one that I jumped at. So I have always been an entrepreneur and figured out how do I get there the quickest way and, you know, whatever. And what I recognized was that um, getting a job as a secretary, because that was pretty much the kinds of jobs women could get in the brokerage industry back then or back office. You could sit there for two years before some guy would deem you good enough to give you the opportunity to take the test. So I decided to circumvent that. And I went back to my roots at my all-girls school because they're all prestigious girls, remember? Uh, like Condoleezza Rice graduated yeah. the year before me. There you so go. That's the status. And some of them, their dads were in the brokerage business. So I reached out and said, hey, can I talk to your dad? And one of the gals hooked me up with her dad. And we chatted and he goes, we'll sponsor you. So he said, I'll, we'll give you the sponsorship because you have to have a sponsorship to take the test. And I went and studied for the test and I passed it the first time. Wow. I'm a, I'm a good test taker, but I was motivated because my, because I had a lot of pain in my marriage. Yeah. A lot of pain and I needed to get out. So we all get motivated in different ways. So if you're struggling and you're not in a good situation, Use that as uh, motivation, as fuel to get you out. Because I can tell you that while I was trying to manage my marriage and my kids and save it, at the same time, there was a part of me that was saying, if I ever get out of this, I'm never coming back. And I felt like I was a rocket ship on the platform being filled with fuel. 
And I knew that I would never, ever go back to that kind of a situation again. And when I made the, the choice to, to lift and separate from him, I, you, I was burning rocket fuel and I have never, ever looked back. So to me, every moment counts. I get up in the morning and I'm like, what am I going to do today to make a difference? Right? right? Because whether it's with my family, with my marriage, because I have a wonderful marriage now, by the way, fabulous man I've been married to for 22 years. And, to, you know, my son and his wife are here and they're having a baby. So, but it's, you know, it's like, how do I get every ounce out of every day? Right. Right. And gosh, it's so fun to hear somebody that I resonate with so much because when I was in my practice marriage and after seven years, I said, well, tell me what's going on. Why, why are you so distant? And he said, you're not pretty enough for me to love. I never loved you. I just liked the life you would provide for me. Oh <laughs> and, I my God. Like, and I invested my life in you, you know, mm-hmm. and underneath I was like, oh, you're probably right. You're the big man and I suck. And then I woke up going, I don't think that's true. And my girlfriends were shaking me like, that is not true. Do not believe that. Do not believe that terrible man. And so luckily we had no kids, no dogs, no debt. I always say no kids, no dogs, no debt. So we could choose to separate, right? And to be divorced. And and we had the power to move on. And um, so I, I call that my practice marriage because every day in a terrible marriage is worse than having the guts to go on your own you know, into the big world. So um, I just deem that a practice marriage. Okay. So you got through that. You got the rocket fuel. You got in the securities business. And, um, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to pause here because we're going to take our break and be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Wiersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Okay, we're back. I know you're all like, wait, don't take a break. We want to hear more of Michelle's story. So, okay, along this path, and the other thing I want to point out that you did, which was evident in what you do today and how you and I know each other, you used your network right? You went to the girls from your school that you knew and went to their dads. And I would say of all the things I would tell any woman or any human listening to this podcast is you never know who will be that next connection that you need that helps you and you can help them. So I wanted to point that out along the way. So stockbroker business, separated rocket fuel, taking off into the world, taking care of your kids. And then we're sitting on the edge of our seat. And then what happened next? And I was the worst stockbroker ever. (laughs) Okay. So here I am with my rocket fuel in my pocket. I literally got hired and three months later got divorced. So um, I'm I'm, I'm like awful. But as a rookie, they made us call 100 people a day. And it was one of those like cold calls and people hanging up and don't ever call me again. But they gave me some dead accounts, what they call dead accounts. And I started calling these people that invested in mining stocks. And I was infatuated because those kind of people have a different philosophy about why they buy gold and gold stocks. And they taught me a lot. And in order to be able to speak to them, I would call the companies that they had invested in and talk to the president or CEO and say, what's going on? I'm, I'm calling on behalf of a shareholder and I need to get an update. And then I'd call the shareholder back. Well, through that process, I realized, huh, I could be like a specialist. And I realized that nobody else wanted this. So I was like, my goal was to be one of the top 10 brokers in the United States in gold. 
And that's the path I went down. And I met the most amazing men who, um, you know, brought me along. I think they saw me as an anomaly. I was interested. Be curious. Ask questions. Do things for people. You know, um, say yes the first two years that you're in a new place because you're going to learn a lot about things. If you say yes instead of like, I don't know about that and I'm really not going to go there because you'll, you'll, you'll miss a lot of opportunity to, to get better and people will engage with you. So all of that paid off and um, I built my book that way and my reputation. And then I started this trade association in 1989, about five years after I started uh, being a broker and doing the mining stuff. And I was top, you know, I was a top broker. So people knew me here and in Canada. Oh, that's so exciting. And again, you followed a passion. You were very on purpose, but you did your homework. You did the work, right? So um, calling on behalf of a of a shareholder probably opened a lot of doors because of course the CEO wants the shareholders to be happy. And then you got really insights to the heartbeat of the entire industry. Mm -hmm. And then they would be like, Oh, do you want to come do a mine tour? You can come see our mine. I'd be like, yeah, what day, you know, and I drive down in Colorado. We had a few. So I would drive to their location and go on a mine tour. And I was included. Like I had inclusiveness. That was part of my upbringing. I had all this support from these male mentors. Of course I had my haters and of course I, and I was never sexually assaulted. I was sexually harassed, you know, like the sex talky stuff that guys do. But you know, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't ever, you know, uh, damaged by it. If you know what I'm right. saying, right. Um, like other women have been um, mm-hmm. really affected with it, yeah. but I was, I was not. And I think it's because the men were very respectful and, um, and they really did, they, they were intentional in helping me get where I did get, because they saw the, they're like, why don't you do that job? And I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. And I go create something, you know, and then be, they'd be like, see, that worked out, but we all worked on it together. Wow. Well, so that, that was, sounds hugely successful. And then I know something else about this is you have written three books and you're a, you are a former ultra athlete. Um, the first woman in North America to row 24 hours on a Concept 2 rowing machine. Tw- 211,036 meters in 24 hours. Okay, what is all that about? Because I feel all that energy. Did you just have to get it out and you just got it out really, really, really a lot? <laughs> what was that? I've, I've always wanted to be, you know, physical and active and everything. And, and um, I happened to be introduced to a, an ultra-athlete. And when I was doing my mind tours, there were a few guys that were doing ultra stuff. So we'd go on mind tours and sometimes I'd meet the guys in the lobby at 4 a.m. and we'd have headlamps on and we'd go out and jog out in the middle of nowhere in the dark for like three hours and then come back and have breakfast and then go do the mind tour. And that was fun to me. So, um, yeah, I just I just really like that physical part of, of dealing with stress. And then it grew into this. But I met Essie Garrett, who's a famous uh, world at ultra athlete here, based here in Denver. And uh, I ended up being her running partner for four years. And so we did these incredible things at Thanksgiving, we would run for 48 hours around the capital of downtown Denver to raise awareness about the homeless and all the money would go to the homeless shelters that we raised. And we'd start at 4am on Thursday morning, Thanksgiving, and we would finish on Saturday morning at 4am. So I ran a the farthest I ever ran with her was 135 miles during that 48 hours. Um, wow. But 
uh, we used to, I'd meet her at the Colorado border and run in because she would run like from San Francisco to Denver. She'd do these things that were pretty incredible. But I also was a trainer at a um, part-time because remember, I'm a single mom. I'm trying to pay the bills. So I'm working like four jobs. And one of them was a part-time trainer at a health club. And that's where I met my husband. I was his personal trainer. So late. Uh, there you go. The just saying, uh, just saying. Go to the gym. But uh, anyway, so we, um, they, they had rowers and the owner said, why don't you do a marathon row? You can do all this stuff. I'm like, what's that? It's like 24 hours on a rowing machine. I go, okay. So I trained and I did it and we raised money for Alzheimer's. I always do these things to raise money for uh, some cause. That's what Essie taught me. Wow. Well, you know, just when everyone is listening, going, yeah, this, this woman couldn't do one more thing. Oh, yeah. And then in my spare time, I ran around the Capitol for 48 hours. And I'm thinking like, wow, if I get to a five mile walk, I think I'm an Olympic athlete. So <laughs> God bless you, Michelle. Um, and I know that you along your path have not always had everything coming up roses. Um, do you want to share anything about your daughter? Yeah, so I had two children, I mentioned a son and a daughter. And when my daughter, Danny, was 18, she was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is a rare type of cancer. And she battled it for 16 months. And unfortunately, she, she lost that battle when she was 19 and a half. But she was a fire. This girl lived more in 19 years than most people do in 40. And she was my, you know, like butt heads. We were really a lot alike. Both of us really go-getters, very independent. She was super smart. And she was already done with high school. She graduated early. She had a year of college done. Um, I mean, she was just, and she would, was a raver. She had tattoos. I mean, you could never read this kid because she was really an anomaly in, unto herself. And she too used to say to me, Mom, we were picked for a reason. And, you know, after she died, I was like, okay, I got it. I'm supposed to go cure cancer. Huh, no small feat, right? So yeah, I on your list. Up. Yeah, so I formed a nonprofit and I thought, I'm a successful business person. I can raise a million dollars for research. It's not that hard. Well, let me tell you, nonprofits are way harder to raise money than for profits. And I struggled and struggled. But here's where the big lesson came for me. I learned that if I made a lot more money, I could write personal bigger checks. And that pushed me into a, an uncomfortable zone where I left my cushy job at the trade association that I built for 18 years six figures, you know, travel the world, all the CEOs knew me. I left that job and started over in the basement of my house with a computer and a filing cabinet. And my first year revenues were over $2 million. Wow. I hit it out of the park and I was able to not only write big checks myself, but I was able to attract very large donors to our cause because of the way that I work and what I was doing and the value I was bringing to them in the corporate world. So it's like, hey, you want to play with me? The corporate sponsorship is 75 grand. And if you want top billing, there's another 25 grand you can give to this foundation and you'll be platinum level. And they'd write the checks with a smile on their face. So I was winning on all counts. Wow. And what was that business? What was the $2 million business? So it was called, it's called, it was called Mine LLC. And I took the model I had built for the trade association and I paired CEOs of uh, resource companies around the world with large institutional investors. And because I had a you know, conflict of interest clause in my exit contract with them, 
I went into other resources, oil and gas, base metals, industrial metals, and alternative energy. And I went global. So I was doing these very high-end private conferences in Africa at Victoria Falls. Um, in Dubai, we did the first major conference there. Um, Madeleine Albright was our keynote speaker, for example. Um, and then all of Europe, London, Asia, and back here. So I was traveling around the world um, twice a year. I was on the road 120 days a year while I built that company. And my revenues for, um, you know, it was, I had it open for eight and a half years. For the first seven years, it was between two and $4 million consistently for revenues. And, um, and then the resource markets tanked in uh, 2012. And so I closed the business in 2013 because I didn't want to just scrape the bottom and wait for it to come back. Wow. Well, again, uh, the ability to read what's happening, the ability to have guts to head for glory, to turn that into also something very great to honor your daughter. Incredible things. Well, I, we could go on for like six days because there's that we've only touched the tip of the iceberg with all the fantastic things in your life. But I want everyone to hear what you're doing now about board training and ACE board development and really helping women take their gifts to help lead this world. Tell everybody a snippet about that. Okay. So I am now, I created a program to train other women to get on corporate boards. These are paying corporate boards. And my goal is to train a thousand women and help as many of those get onto boards as possible because I want to see the world with parity in the boardroom. I know because of my experience, the power and the money lie at the very top of a company. And that's the boardroom and the C-suite. And we, until we have enough women in there to help affect how these decisions are made, our outcomes are going to continue to be the way they are. And I want everyone to benefit, not just the boardroom, not just the C-suite, but you know, the customer, the shareholders, the um, people who work in the company. And I really believe that that's what it's going to take. We've got to have more women. And I'm not going to wait till I'm 150 for that to happen. So I'm on my horse. I'm motivated. My rocket ship is fueled and I am taking off. And right. I want everybody to come with me that wants to do it. Yes. And, you know, just if you're thinking and you think, well, gosh, board service might not be for me, you might know someone who you think, wow, she's a, an accomplished woman. She's someone with a lot to give. She's got a great perspective. And please plug them into Michelle. Uh, tell everyone how to find you. So the best place to find me is on my website, and that is acellc.consulting. So it's ace like the ace of spades, LLC like limited liability corporation dot consulting. And um, my email is just Michelle in front of that, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. -E. And you can reach out to me directly or on LinkedIn. You can find me there as well. Awesome. Well, uh, this is such a great story. People have been hanging on the edge of their seats. Again, I'm so sorry you lost your daughter. My daughter is turning 18 in July. So I am with you, sister. The last thing, if we were sitting having a beautiful coffee, you would be shuffling the Dream Big, Live Big cards. However, I have to shuffle them for you. Okay. This is a fancy card deck that asks questions. So you're going to get a random question you're supposed to get to uh, answer in our interview today. So here you can see your random card. Um, where are you going next? And this is sail away, um, let your heart free. So where are you going next? I've always dreamed of going to outer space. So I'm, I'm, it's on my bucket list to be one of the, you know, regular people from the planet who gets on a plane and flies or a rocket ship. I always talk rocket ships and go to outer space. So what, how about that? 
Okay. Well, you know, actually, I think they they are programming into that agenda with the right amount of cash that uh, Elon Musk will be happy to take your money or whoever's leading the rocket ships to the yeah. yeah or yeah or anybody like the whole Virgin organization, one of those guys, and the right amount of cash. And knowing you, you'll turn it into a charity fundraiser. Somehow you'll raise $10 million with it and only have to pay $5 million to go to space. And that $5 million will do good in the world. So I, I just want to hang out with you. So <laughs> thank you so much, Michelle Ashby, uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire, mom, uh, global strategist, uh, convener for good, uh, amazing story of triumph and ability to be flexible and to see opportunity and to do the hard work and to work the networks. And I would really highly encourage if you're thinking in the back on your bucket list, you'd love to be on not only a board, but a paid board, or you'd love to just find out whatever's next for, for Michelle in helping women, especially be empowered with leadership skills and tools they need to rock it and literally uh, have that fuel to change this world. And that's what we're all going to do together. Thank that's you. Right. Hang on. Go girls. Hang Sometimes on. I don't know where I'm going. So you well, just have to trust me. I tell you, in some, I'm going to go with you. Some places I'm taking you and your friends on my global journeys. I think we're going to have some fun. So uh, thank you all for listening to Boost Power Podcast. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And if you've been listening to Michelle's story, you can see in there for all of us, you know, that like you, we got to We got to be responsible for figuring out our own future. And we've got to do that with you know, integrity and innovation. And we got to reach out and find the other people that can help us. And we also have to look for mentors and people who have done that path before and just be inspired by all the things happening. Uh, so we hope you've enjoyed these stories that are uplifting and energetic. And please share this podcast with others who might be interested in that same vibe of possibility and of women rocking the world. I am your host, Betsy Weersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.